Sessionable. Welcome to Sessionable. It is January 2020, so welcome to the new decade, everyone. How's that 2020 vision going, Adrian? Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, I can see clearly now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah so we are going to do our regular kind of Christmas end of year wrap up, but we're also going to do a bit of a end of decade wrap up since it's been a pretty uh, interesting decade in It's been a in huge beer. decade for beer. Yeah, so... In Australia and around the world. So we'll do a wrap of both and then we'll maybe later on we'll do non-beer as well if we have time. Um, yeah, so who wants to kick off a 2019 Should we say who, who's part of the podcast today? True. Yeah. We yeah. haven't done this we for a yeah, while. Yeah, we're <laughs> it's uh, going to be a bit rusty. It's um, been a little while between episodes. Yeah, yeah so uh, I'm Adrian. Uh, I'm Tom. I'm MC. And Liam. Yeah, look, uh, it's been a while since we've done an episode. We've been a bit busy. Yeah. Was the last episode um, Mountain with Culture. DJ? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Like two months um, ago? A couple of months ago. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, it's, it's been a bit of a hectic sort of end of year, I think, for everybody. And we've, uh, yeah, but we thought we'd, we'd do this. And then we've got, um, at the end of this episode, we've got a bit of an announcement of um, sort of how we're going to be... We're going to be changing how we structure Sessionable going forward. So, yeah. So, when did we start doing the podcast? What was the first six years ago, roughly? Six years ago. Yeah. So, so we've been so doing it for more than half the, yeah, the, the decade. Yeah. Half the decade. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Let's 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 have a quick review of the last year. Um, what's actually been happening this year? I, I'm, I, I feel like, like I'm a bit out of touch. Like, I don't think it's out of touch. I think yeah. it's been a bit of a like a. Normalization year for for beer in yeah. Australia. I, I've, I think like uh, like like sometimes you like have these big growth spurts, but then you got to fill in from the growth spurts. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's been one of those fill in years where I don't think anything really groundbreaking has happened, but I think yeah. it's just developed more. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think there's been a few like styles that we really see really kick off. Like um, we'll have a Nipah. I'm pretty yes, sure we I had think. this discussion on this episode but last every year. year it, <laughs> yeah. seems to, it seems to get bigger. I, I think yeah. it, it seems to be a much more of a widespread thing. And the other thing, the other sort of style that I've seen kick off is um, sours, but more specifically the like barrel and wild sours. Yeah, barrel a lot sours. more. Yes. Maybe that's to do with where I was working for most of the year. Um, uh, no, but I think there's more um, like sort of that sort of brewery blendery places opened up yeah. this year. Yeah. Um, I also think that a few of the um, the breweries have been around. They've been experimenting with barrel aging. They've finally been able to release what they're happy with um, because that that kind of thing takes time. Yeah, you need space and budget and yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, time. like 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 right, Russ has right. been you know working on the wild stuff for a while, but I think they've finally been able to you know they they've started releasing their cool shit beers, for example. And so, what's some yeah. other breweries that like a quite developed that have started to um, release some... like Three Ravens um, yeah. has been doing quite a few stuff um, Green Beacon uh, came out with their Fathom range yeah right yeah. earlier in the year as well that was um, uh, th- they were really nice um, would you throw like the was it site fermentation yeah absolutely into that as well 100% yeah for yeah? sure yeah um, and then you've had like some new Wayward with yeah their, Wayward um, have they released oh, yeah. they did yeah, their Balthazar yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's the Discovery series, yeah. Yeah, that's only going to get bigger and bigger as they they've uh, grown again in space in Camperdown, yeah. and they've got more space dedicated to barrels. Um, you know, places like Future Mountain in Melbourne opened up this year, which I think uh, is going to be pretty pretty big. Yeah, um, I'm sure there's some others I can't think of as well. Molly Rose is that this Molly this Rose? Year or last yeah. Year? yeah, yeah. Dollar Bill, Dollar Bill, oh, Dollar yeah. Bill, yeah. I, and that, and you know, I, I really like that trend. Like that, that's. That's really interesting. Is it a trend there, or is it just a, a substyle? I mean, I think it was a yeah. I think it was a trend of this year. That's a substyle going forward. Right? Yeah. Do you think sours in general have just become part of like the core range? I guess these days. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I, I, every, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and I think yeah, the popularity of uh, the the kettle sours has allowed the barrel aged sours to kind of yeah, it's a you know be a thing. It's not as much of a challenge, right? Yeah. If, yeah. Even though the process might be very different. Yeah. But from a pallet weight point of view. Um, yeah. Yeah. Being able to introduce that to consumers that are already used to sour beers is, is yeah. very I don't know if you guys have seen in Sydney, Wayward's doing a massive push and they're doing street posters and advertisement for, for, for their sour well, or yeah. raspberry, raspberry vice. vanilla Sorry. vice. Yeah. And they're doing a big push of that as like a cocktail thing yeah. and stuff like that as well. 
I think it's really interesting, and not to skip ahead too much to the decade and review stuff, but like, you know, six years ago when we started the podcast or at the start of the decade, if you were start up opening up a brewery, your core range would be, what, like a lager, a pale, a pale ale, 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 an amber ale, ale golden ale. Yeah, whatever the golden ale is. What's the last like, time you had a golden yeah. ale? Yeah. <laughs> um, but now if you're open, like your, your core range is going to be a kettle sour, uh, an XPA, yeah. uh, an IPA. like Maybe a hazy you know, style IPA. Yeah. 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 You know, that's, a, that's sort of how it's all evolved. Still no widespread love for dial beers, unfortunately. Uh, I mean, yeah, or finger limes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mate, this year, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> year of the finger lime. Year of the finger lime, mate. <laughs> I had some nice finger lime beers last year. The, again, all from Nomad. But yeah, like, I think uh, I had the, one. <laughs> a couple. <laughs> I do. I do so. So yeah, dark beers. Do you reckon this is still like a climate thing? Yeah, I think um, so. I um, think so. I think there's also still that stigma of Guinness. It's like, oh, I don't drink dark beers. Yeah, but I think dark beers are. I think they're more. They're, they're a more specific taste. Like, it's not. Um, I don't think that. I don't think we'll ever get to the point where dark beer is, uh, like a widely popular thing in Australia. I just. I just don't see that happening. Um, do you think like? Like, I still don't think we've had the, the burst of, like, those pastry or dessert stouts here in Australia. Yeah, we haven't really. Which I th- I think we'll see more of that in the year to come. Do you yeah. think that will help make dark beers a bit more mainstream? Yeah, it's possible. Maybe a bit more. Yeah, yeah possibly. I think yeah. uh, on, the, on the theme of the sour and barrel aging things, I think what's, like, the things that really get me into dark beers is barrel age, you know, mm. big barrel aged, yeah. high ABV dark beers. Those are kind of the only ones that I would drink. So maybe that's... The kind of thing yeah. that those barrel uh, breweries could be looking at. Yeah, for sure. And they do exist. You can get them in Australia, but it's not as prominent as what, like the elsewhere in the world. Those types yeah, of things. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Christmas, Christmas Eve, uh, New Year's Eve, we had the old pumping station from yeah. Mornington as was well. It 2017, I think, the red wine barrel. Was, was it 16. the first one? 16. Yeah, 16. yeah, yeah, the yeah, 16 was, one. yeah, yeah it was the Shiraz barrel. And that was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they, they're, they're out there. It's just, you know, we. I mean, I think yeah. it's it price pays into it, plays into it as well. It's yeah, like, for sure. He's yeah. already more expensive in Australia than I think elsewhere. the other part of that is the access of barrels we have in Australia is not really like spirit-based barrels, more wine-based barrels, mm-hmm. which yeah. are sort of better suited to like wild fermentation mm. or mixed fermentation stuff as well. Yeah. Um, it's quite expensive to get like, like a bourbon barrel, bourbon or, barrel or something like that, whereas... In the states, it's a lot easier. Although that said, I mean the the rise of craft spirits in the last decade yeah. has been pretty uh, yeah. impressive as well in Australia. And we're seeing more and more whiskies come out of Australia, and so um, so that will definitely help with that. Um, tried a lot of really good Aussie brandies this year, actually. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I don't think I've had any. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's some cool stuff in that in that regard, and hopefully we'll get to see some different types of barrels come into the market that we get to play with. It'd be cool. Mm. It would be cool. Um, bringing it back to sales for a bit, what are we drinking, guys? Uh, well, I bought it's our Christmas me, episode uh, a chapeau, yeah, from Batch. Um, sour Christmas beer. I mean, look, three of us have done work for Batch <laughs> this, this year, um, so there is a bit of bias there. But chapeau's always been a Christmas Every, yeah. beer for for yeah. me. Yeah, um, it's a beer that sort of has replaced like the sparkling Shiraz on the on the table for Christmas Day. Um, so yeah, and I thought this year's chapeau was actually um, was really good. Yeah, I really enjoyed this year's this year's yeah, chapeau. I think I also love the the bottle fruit looks the, so nice yeah, this year. A bit more fruit forward than last year, yeah. I think. Um, um, so MC, it's a, it's MC a, can talk about the fruit in that one. Yeah, yeah I think I, I fruited it and got half of it down my legs, <laughs> and half of it in my hair. No, it was good. How much of a pain in the ass is this beer to, to make? Uh, it's, it's one of them, definitely one of the more difficult ones. I think there was uh, a lot of trouble as well with the, with the labeling. Uh, yeah. we, we did package the beer and then had to unpackage it and relabel it all. Uh, but you know, it's, it, despite that, it was actually quite fun to be part of the process for the first time because I think it gives me a new appreciation for exactly how much goes into a beer like that. And then, yeah. then because it is chapeau to see so many people enjoy it. Uh, it. You know, it kind of does make it as cliche as it sounds. Worth it yeah. to put in that much effort to have it made. Yeah, but we, yeah, it was certainly not the easiest beer that we <laughs> that's made at Batch. The design team sort of hit it out of the park on this one. I we're, think it's beautiful. Bit, yeah, bit over the top. Well, not over the top. We're a bit smicker this year, yeah. and the gold foil on the label um, played havoc with our labeling machine. Oh, really? To the point where it actually broke the labeling machine. Yeah, it did. <laughs> <laughs> like the day before the Christmas shutdown. Yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, uh, good, good one, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> it made for a, a long day for for MC and the rest of the brew team, but um, but yeah, it looks really sick. It looks really cool. Yeah. Um, and the beer's been great. And I think we brewed or way more of it than we have in previous years, and it is all gone. I think there's just oh, a wow. few kegs left. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I worked out that in three weeks in the tasting room at Marrickville, we sold like 1,500 bombers. Wow. Yeah, which is a shitload of chapeau. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, sold out on New Year's Eve. Wow. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, yeah, I love chapeau. And, um, and I think it, yeah, sort of plays into that. Um, Batch have been doing lots of kettle sours, um, you know, lots of different fruit at kettle sours, as have, I think, lots of lots of the like the the Sydney breweries and Aussie breweries really playing around in that space, which is which I've I've enjoyed. Yeah. Um and I think it's not just a Sydney thing. Like you got um no. you know, Miss Pinky from Boat Rockers. All um, the uh, smashes from Stomping Grounds. Yeah, yeah. I've had a few of those this year which are really good. Yeah. That watermelon smash was Yeah, that lovely. was a good one. Yeah, yeah. Beer farms on a few nice ones, the pineapple and the um the Assam boy. The Dolly Adrians from yeah. Yulies, Do- yeah, oh, yeah, under the radar. They've done mm-hmm. some really, the, um, really nice beers this year. The beetroot and apple one, I love that. I, I think I've tried that, that one. Was really, yeah. really cool. Uh, I think, I think Australia's getting better at brewing fruited kettle sours as well. Yeah. Did it, Did anyone <laughs> mention the um oh, the? <laughs> what do you want? Special guest host. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the cat. The cat's yeah. just talking about their favorite kettle sours. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that one! Yeah, I love that one. Yeah, we're yeah. a big fan of sour. I think the cat <laughs> just said um, the the bent spoke. How's it goes in? Never tried that a, one. The, the tropical, one? yeah, yeah, right. yeah. It, They call it tropical goza, but they add passion fruit, and mm. it is like yeah, passion awesome sour juice. passion fruit juice. I think when you see like breweries like Pirate Life release yeah. sours in yeah, this true. year, is a is a you know good show of where that how that trend's being being taken and. That they're you know like a predominantly hot driven brewery sort of mm-hmm. going pretty hardcore on it as well. Um, what else we, have we noticed this year? Um, I mean, I guess you'd, we'd be remiss not to mention the the big buyout of the year, which was Bolter. But I don't know. I don't. I don't think heaps of people were surprised by that one. Um, well, it's like, yeah, I think the buyouts that happened this year. It's like Bolter, Green Beacon. Um, did anyone else happen? Yeah, Lion picked up a couple of like, yeah, like around the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and which <laughs> I thought um, you, I you were laughing about yeah. that. It was like, like no, no. <laughs> New Belgium um, was that. That was a, yeah. that was the big. That was huge. Yeah, yeah, New Belgium. Um, yeah, they've done a few things in yeah. the UK as well, yeah. haven't they? Um, yeah, they, they've definitely um, continued their kind of global expansion. Yeah, which is um, interesting. And I think the uh, so yeah, for, for me, Bolter and Green Beacon both that made sense. Like the, they, they both. Yeah. I don't think anyone was surprised about those. Yeah. Um, the other big one, which hasn't happened yet, and it doesn't really like they, it's 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 in the works. I'll save it for the next year's um, well recap. Yeah, but the <laughs> um, Asahi CUB deal. That's yeah, a, that, that, that could be a big. A yeah, big deal. I don't, I don't um, really know what to say about that. Yeah, well, I don't um, know. But yeah, I think. Um, the 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 big buyouts this year, in, especially in Australia, haven't really been super surprising. But I think one of the one of the things that's been emerging was um, Founders First, who have been yeah in like a, they're a private equity firm, I believe, who have been investing in a whole bunch of smaller craft breweries. Um, so I guess kind of like what the tribe were doing, but. Th- they're not coming from a beer background, which is interesting. Yeah, um, so, I mean, well, breweries that have got investment from Founders First this year would... Well, Foghorn. Was Foghorn, Foghorn last year? I, th- I think Foghorn might have Foghorn been last year. Foghorn was one of the yeah, first. Yeah, I think they were one of the first um, ones. Spark was this year. Yeah, mm-hmm. Spark's recently. Um, so, wasn't Source? Source, but Source was a weird one because Source was... They partnered with Founders First and they're opening up a brew pub in Cairns. That's right. But apparently Founders First aren't involved with the Marrickville site. Um, there's a couple up in Brisbane as well, which are escaping me. Yeah. But, um, I find it really interesting that no one really knows a lot about Founders yeah. First. I think... Yeah, nobody really knows what to think of it at the moment. It's still pretty early on. I think... And I, if they haven't yet, they're about to list in the stock exchange as well. Okay. okay. Interesting. Um, I know um, I didn't get a chance to listen to it, but Bruise News had one of the Founders First guys on an episode. It would be interesting to listen to as well. Yeah. Um, and I think they've been pretty active of like at 
Brucon and you know those conferences in the last couple of years as well, getting their names out there and introduce themselves to different breweries. So. And they also offer sales support for their breweries, don't they? Like, yeah, it's- yeah. I think that's one of the most interesting things about that yeah. is I think. I'm not 100% sure how it works, but I believe like they will have their own sales team that yeah. will have the portfolio of Founders First breweries yeah, that's... to sell. And so that's a very interesting access to market for for breweries that mm-hmm. maybe are only dealing with their state and stuff like that as well. Yeah. Um, I think that's definitely one of, the, one of the incentives to kind of join that family. And I think if you're a brewer, one of those things that gives you a, a family of knowledge base of other breweries, like, man, like, Having someone like Sean Sherlock yeah, that you can uh, yeah. call hey, up Sean. and ask, <laughs> ask for advice on with the brew that you're doing is pretty invaluable. Yeah, um, but yeah, I find that really interesting. It'd be cool to see how how they go. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they if they sort of uh, chill out for a while, or if they go full pelt and start investing in some other breweries as well. Mm. Yeah. Do you think sales are going to continue in the in the year ahead? It's definitely slowed down a fair bit, hasn't it? Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't looked at. Numbers this year, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think um, uh, you mean sales in buyouts or just beer yeah, sales? sorry, yeah. Yeah, in buyouts. Oh, I yeah. thought you meant like the, the market increasing oh, or not. Goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it is, but I'm not sure. Um, yeah, buyouts. I'm not sure. Yeah, like in terms of the big ones, are there many big ones left? I'm not sure. Yeah, I would say that all the big ones yeah. that we've suspected have either. Yeah definitely come out saying no we're not being sold or mm. have been sold yeah. so I don't really know what because what, what, what is it like left. Stone and Wood Stone yeah. and Wood I don't think young, they'll be young, sold I mean Young Henry's yeah. has always said that yeah. they'll yeah. be independent yeah uh, yeah yeah so it's hard, yeah, it's hard, you know and, and, and look to be fair like Stone and Wood could like New Belgium sold it's I've always seen them as being very similar breweries same with Young like Young Henry's have said they're always independent but like Mountain Goat did for a long time as well true so it's you know um it's. I think everyone's got a price, and it's. Are these breweries going to keep? Are, are the big breweries going to value them enough to pay the founders what they want? Like, yeah, it's not really an Australian thing, but I don't know if you guys saw when um, Ballast Point was sold again. Yeah, that was like weird. A, like a minuscule amount of the yeah. billion dollars they were sold for to Constellation. Yeah. yeah. Um. So you know that. People are looking at that and seeing if that's like a, a bursting of the bubble to some mm. degree, or was that just a really stupid buy? Or yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And Lee just made a really good point off mic um, with Gabs selling this year as well. Yeah, true. Which is a big, yeah, that's a big one as well. Yeah, yeah, um, that's huge. Yeah. It'd be really interesting to see what happens at Gabs next year, like the yeah, uh, yeah. This, this, this year. year. Sorry, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it seems like the the people involved in running the event are still going yep. to be involved in running the event. So I don't expect a huge change, but it, it'll probably be more of a gradual change throughout the next few years. Yeah, so, like, um, yeah. yeah, I just think Guy and Steve are just such big drivers of the industry in yeah, Australia as a whole. Sure. And yeah. their enthusiasm is quite contagious. So, mm. yeah, I'm sure they'll be there at the first couple of oh, gabs getting, yeah. enjoying it. and I, yeah. I imagine... Steve's not putting that microphone down. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a good point, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Get paid as a host. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. So I think, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with Stopping Ground this year. Like, if they've got all their energy and resources. Because that's been a big thing with that group for a while, has been they've had their attention split in so many different directions. And they've done well at all of them. But now they've just got Stomping Ground. And what stomping grounds doing, and then they've got yeah, but they're going to have like three stomping grounds or something, aren't they? This year, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, they've got stomping ground and they've got the tap house, and then that's that's it, yeah, right? Like rather than having multiple tap houses, Gabs stomping ground, everything. Well, Gabs is on. also the the Gabs festival, and then the hottest one hundred, which is yeah. I imagine a pretty big beast as well. Yeah, mm. uh, we should probably clarify that it has. I don't think it's been sold to. It hasn't been sold to a big beer company. Uh, Gabs. Oh no! It's, yeah, it's just uh, been sold to a different owner. Yeah, the, the, yeah, I was reading up. I forget the guy's name now. I was reading up to him. Um, so he's a South African guy that started a lot of like startup businesses in South Africa um, and moved out here a while ago. Um, but yeah, and from an events background as well. Yeah, so cool. it'd be, yeah, it'd be it'd be very interesting to see how it goes. But I think um, like Craig, who's like pretty much the main yeah. director of of Gabs is staying on and stuff like that as well. So yeah, and Ruder and all those. Yeah, exactly right. So I don't think it's going to be that big of a, a difference. 
be interested to see what the brewery have if the brewery's a bit more hesitant to get involved this year or not because because Guy and Steve aren't there. But um, I think from a consumer yeah, point of view, I, I think I think it's gotten to the point where um, being at Gabs is beneficial to your brand. So I don't think it's going to really uh, affect attendance of breweries because of that, um, because of the change of ownership. Yeah. No, I, I think it's a I think it's a good thing for Gabs. I think, and I think the other thing is it sort of lets um, Stomping Ground be another brewery at Gabs rather than being the Gabs Brewery. You know? Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, like I think they're they're actually in the hottest one hundred this year for the first time. They are. They're in they, the they don't have. Yeah, a, I was wondering if they had to yeah. wait another year or. Yeah, makes yeah. sense. They're they're, they're yeah. in this one, so yeah. Um, they, they just wanted to win the hottest. That's 100. why they sold it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Speaking of which, what do you guys reckon about hottest one hundred? Yeah, should we should we throw our hats in and pre- pick predictions? Do we think? <laughs> no idea. Do we what think- was number one last year? I can't even remember anymore. Stonerwood or Bolter? Bolter. Yeah, one of those. Do you think Bolter will have that Bolter drop? Bolter will I, drop I think, out of the yeah. top ten. Yeah. I don't think they're going to drop. Like- uh, I'm not sure if they'll drop out of the top ten, but. I think they'll drop out of the top two. Um, What's the? Th- th- what there was, was there was that there was that backlash against Feral last year, and I think the same thing will happen against Bolter. Yeah, I reckon Feral will make make it back up there at some point. You reckon? Yeah, yeah that'd maybe. be interesting. Yeah, I think Capital will Capital and Benspoke will probably see some more gains this year. They've yeah. only they've only got a good bigger good and bigger in the last year. Um, I think Capital is uh, place to do well as well because they only have a few beers. Like they don't do. Yeah, a hundred different beers a year. They just do the couple. Um, I'm, I don't know. I, look, I'm, I'm I'm tempted to just say Stone and Wood for number one. Yeah, but I don't know if I that's... can't really think of another. But well, it's, you see, Stone and Wood's diluted their voting range this year with the counterculture stuff, mm, right? Like a little bit. Like, yeah. well, so I've just looked up that uh, number five was Beechworth Pale Ale, and I would Ooh, say that could having cans and cans. bottles. And I actually went to Bridge Road uh, last week, and they have a big iPad that you can be at the brewery and vote at. <laughs> okay. Whether that, I'm sure that's allowed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure. But that's I allowed. think you know that there is a big backing behind yeah. them already. If and they were number five, like, and now coming out yeah. in a different format, I reckon yeah. that could be a good contender. Yeah, mm, that's a good call. Good point. Yeah, yeah. good call. It's it, that's one of those beers that's always in the top ten. The, yeah, the beach yeah. yeah. Um, beachy. Yeah, I so. think breweries have got a lot. Or you can see the people are advertising more to promote voting for him for for Gabs. But it's be- I think I've got a. It's become a lot more tasteful. Like you remember the years when like Four Pines got kicked out like yeah. two years in a row for like yeah. when you're waiting beer or something yeah. like that. Um, yeah, so funny. Um, but yeah, I think everyone's you're seeing. You know, I've, I I remember last year seeing like shelf talkers in, in brewery tasting rooms and posters up in the bathrooms yeah. and that type mm, of yep. stuff. I'm seeing a lot more like online paid content people Same. promoting stuff this year. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. Lots yeah. of yeah stickers on six packs and you know yeah, seen a lot, lot of the did, little were one of the first to do that, yeah, I think. The, yeah the sticker on the you know the 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 six pack rings that yeah. you get cans with I've seen stickers on top of those and all that stuff. Um, I think that also plays into something I want to talk about as a trend of the year, which is sort of the mainstreaming of craft. Um, I think this year and and it's been going the last couple of years, but you can't now you can't walk into a bottle shop without there being something. Craft there, yeah, like, for sure. You can yeah. you can get a six pack of, you know, filter XPA or Newtowner or or something like that at, at every bottle shop around mm. here. Yeah, even um, like my shitty local bottle shop will have something decent. Yeah, I mean, um, it might not be fresh, but it'll have something decent. Um, and same with pubs. Like, there's generally you know, generally more of an offering available now than there was a year ago, two years ago. Yeah. Um. At yeah. Even you know. Uh, not every pub, but pretty much every pub will have something. Um, you know, that independent tap might not be Cooper's Green anymore. It might be... Or they might have two independent taps. It might be Cooper's Green and Stone and Wood. Yeah. Yeah. I think... Yeah. And it's also, like, it is a positive of buyouts where, like, you know, tap-tied venues actually can have some yeah. decent beers on it. It might not be independent if that's a, a thing, or if you just want to have a good beer, there's, some, there's more options there as well. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I just came back from the UK and one of the things that I noticed there was, yeah, for places that weren't necessarily independent, they're going to have a tap of Camden Hells and maybe even Punk IPA mm. alongside all the other big stuff. So, yeah, I think same thing's happening here. Although on that note, I, I um, 
I really like what the what the IBA is doing, and I really liked uh, Indie Beer Day, which mm-hmm. is probably something yeah. else we should talk about. Um, but yeah, one thing that I think I would love to see clearer, and I know that they have a lot planned for the coming years, is to uh, be able to look at at tap handles at a bar and to be able to know which is independent because that that mainstreaming of craft. I mean, it's really yep. getting more and more difficult to determine. Uh, who, who owns what? what? Exactly. Yep. Exactly right. I'm starting to see a lot more seals on tap decals these days, yep. which is one one way to do it. Yeah, I know. I think with the the refresh of the the seal and like venues can sign up and stuff, I think that's another part they're trying to do that. And you don't have to be 100 percent independent venue to do it to to sign to sign up. Yeah, I think you're right, MC, and I think hopefully we can see some more changes in that because yeah. I think yeah, going back to what you're saying about will bolter drop, I think more mainstream people have a better understanding of independence now than they did a year or two Absolutely. years ago. So I think that will affect people's voting. So you look at the beer cartel surveys, surveys every year, the people who, you know, they are always, it's a question about independence. Yeah. The, the numbers of people that actually give a crap is going higher and higher each year yeah. as well. So, um, yeah. All right. Do we have any predictions for trends for 2020? Do you reckon hard seltzer is going to take over? <laughs> It's not going to take over. People are going to have a crack for sure. Yeah. I think we're starting to see it already. Yeah, it's tough in Australia because you can't just do hard seltzer like you can in the states, like because that's an RTD. I mean, you can do it, but it's going to be expensive. You've got to do what White Claw's, well, not White Claw, what um, Quincy is, which is like a, a hot, fermented yeah. rice beverage um, with flavour, mm. um, which is a bit bit different. How about hard kombucha? Hard kombucha. There is some hard kombucha out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I reckon. Um, Finger lime neepers are Mate, the next thing for you. Finger lime, <laughs> just a glass of finger lime. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, like the Do seltzers are something that intrigues me. I just want to try yeah. them. But um, yeah, yeah. Um, um, look, I, I've tried the the Quincy's, both the lime and the passion fruit, and they're really tasty. To be honest, they're just they they taste like what they say they are. It tastes like yeah. you know, uh, um, it tastes like soda water with a, with a bit of um, it's got a bit more body and a bit of like sweetness and flavour. Would you, do you reckon there's like uses for that in a cocktail as like a, did you do that? Yeah. Yeah, you could. Well, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like it's cheaper to just use soda yeah. water and some fruit. I think my, my pick for trends this year is um, breweries pushing for beers and cocktails. Beers and cocktails? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think you're going to start to see breweries sponsoring cocktail competitions and okay. things like that and pushing for like. Because we, we mentioned earlier, Wayward's already kind of doing. A little bit of that push with um, Raspberry Berliner Vice. Yeah, they're sort of just... They're marketing to the point that you can put you can. things in it. Yeah. Like, almost like a Pim's drug and yeah. stuff like that. Um, yeah, so yeah, I think that's something you'll we'll start to see coming more and more. Um, I reckon uh, my, my pick for the trend would be... Uh, Lower alcohol beers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, Soba, that company, uh, yeah. started up last year, and I think it's actually yeah, good, good, the, the the non-alcohol beers. Yeah, I think Brewdog either, will play big big in that space. Yeah, as well. non or low alcohol. Isn't isn't there one that's like point eight percent or something? I, I can't remember whether the breweries mm. Australian or not. But these lower alcohol beers, which are, again are kind of suited for Australia, because if you're hot and want to stay hydrated, it's probably good to have a break from alcohol, but still have something that's not just water or yeah, soft or drink soft or something. Drink, yeah. yeah, I think the quality of mid-strengths that, that Australian producers are making at the moment is like really, really good. Really yeah. good, yeah. yeah. Great. Um, and they're getting, they're just going to get better and better as that market grows and it is growing. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, definitely going to see more and more breweries coming out with mid-strengths. Mm. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it's a, I think, because um, that is something Brewdog's been pushing pretty hard in the UK with their um, Punk AF the alcohol-free versions, and I see them processes and how that's done. Not sure, actually. I think you're the cicerone, mate. They, um, <laughs> mate, when I did my cicerone, that wasn't the thing. It wasn't in the module. Back, back in my and day. <laughs> just to back that up, uh, MC, you did your exam this year in past, so I think you should have it. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> that backfired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think specifically with Punk AF... I heard a few things. I think one of the main things is they add lactose to it to add body because you can't really get that body on a no But are they like fermenting beer? it and then using some yeah. process to strip I'm, the alcohol out I'm of it? I'm not sure exactly what the process is. Because otherwise it would just taste like unfermented wort, right? Yeah. Mm. So a lot of them do. And I, I still have my, like, I've, I've never had a good straight 
non-alcohol beer. Mm-hmm. I've had a good one that was a sour, which just tasted like spritzy fruit juice. Yeah, I feel like a sour would be a lot easier. To yeah, yeah. I th- and I think that should be the trend going forward. Like sours are pretty popular. If a brewery comes out with a nice tasting fruited sour that's low alcohol, I don't think it. Like I think it'll fit into their range, if especially if they're already doing sours. Mm-hmm. But I'm still yet to be convinced about the straight, like the pale ales and lagers that are alcohol free, because I think they ju- they do just taste like sugar water, and I may as well just have a juice or something. Hmm. I mean, that's my opinion. But I mean, clearly they're getting more popular in the UK. I, th- I think. It's a, you know, it's a good pick for that trend to happen in Australia as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I would find instances where I would ha- want to drink a non-alcoholic beer if it tastes good. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, how about we take a quick break and yeah. then we'll do a decade wrap. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. All right, sessionable. So, um, we've got a beer in front of us. Another beer. Yeah, I've almost finished it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we forgot to talk about it earlier. It's um, I brought this back from the UK. And it's called um, Home Over There, which is a cloudy IPA from Boxcar. Where's Boxcar based? Brewing. Um, they are one of the kind of hyper-local East London uh, breweries. They're in an archway in Bethnal Green. So the, uh, the trend of archway breweries continues. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, I was, some good archways in Bethnal Green. Yeah, I was, <laughs> heaps. Um, I, was, I was staying... In East London, the whole time I was in London, so Fucking I, I kind of just checked out the local stuff, and <laughs> yeah, this is this is the closest or one of the closest breweries around. Yeah, nice. And yeah, it was cool. Um, yeah, just very minimalistic kind of setup, but you know, good good bartenders, good beers. Yeah. So to, you know, with this hazy beer, I think we'll be remiss in a year of, or decade in review to talk about. New England's juicies, hazies, whatever you want. Yeah, to call well, I think them. it really took over, the, especially this sort of later end of the the decade, didn't it? Um, yeah, and I think um, it's a it's a it's still a fairly new trend in Australia. Uh, there's only really a couple of breweries that are doing it consistently and at a high level, but it's definitely getting bigger and bigger, and everyone's trying it. I think a lot of Aussie breweries are brewing hazy IPAs that aren't hazy. Um, yeah, or I or yeah, it's a weird thing. It's like people trying to do yeah, people yeah. trying to do neepers that aren't hazy or hazy beers that aren't neepers. It's it it's still a bit confused, and I mm. think um, especially coming from uh, just coming back from London, it I think that is a trend. Is it that does happen when people are trying to do a new style? They play around because with it. there were. Mm. I did have a lot of bad ones over there as well, mm-hmm. but there were a lot of good ones. And I think the more that people try it here, the more we'll hit on some really fucking good ones. Yeah. And I think Deeds has been I was gonna say Deeds. at the forefront, Deeds have been. especially in the last year. Yeah. Quiet Deeds have yeah. been able to just turn re- around, reinvent, reinvent themselves, themselves completely. Yeah. as a hazy brewery. Actually kind of amazing. Nobody really <clears throat> paid attention to them before, but now, like in the last year or two, they've kind of... Yeah, they've exploded. Mm-hmm. You got like what, Mr. Banks as yep. well. Mm-hmm. Um, Source has done really well with yeah. their hazies. Hop Nation. Hop Nation. Source yeah. and I think Source and quite easy to collab beer together. Yeah, yeah. they did. Um, yeah. What, what about uh, the Three Ravens Juicy? Yeah, the yeah. Three Ravens Juicy yeah. has been big. Yeah. Uh, Motors have done a bunch. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think like two years ago, there was like 10 Motors releases in the row, which could have all been the same beer, just different hazies back yeah. to back. Yeah. Um, do you think it's too late for a new brewery to develop themselves as a hazy brewery in Australia? Is- no, I think if they did it really, really well, like if they yeah. if they went if they came off the bat doing incredible hazies, like and if they, I think if they really leaned into the um, the style of it as well, like the blank can with a sticker on it, um, with like a big piece of artwork and like minimal text. You know, but that describes every hazy IPA you've had, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you really text- lean into textured that, textured distress label, yeah. 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 I think one of the issues is with with hazies that we are pretty quick to judge. If somebody makes a bad one, we're going to go, uh, they don't make good hazies. And they're expensive to make. So mm. it's yeah. an expensive, you know, experiment to kind of go, I want to make hazy beers. And if you don't nail it straight away, you, might, I, you might not get that traction th- that you need. I think the other really hard thing is um, distribution in Australia. 
Like, yeah. if you're making hazy beers in Sydney and someone's, you know, like then it goes to Beer Cartel and someone in, you know, WA orders it from Beer Cartel. By the time it gets to you in yeah, WA, true. Yeah. like it's not the same beer that the brewery made. Yeah, and I think maybe people should just brew brew it and serve it there. I think that's the... Yeah, serve it at their cellar yeah. doors. I mean, that that seems to be a model that works in the US, so... Why not do that? That's that's how I do it. I yeah. think one of the difficulties here as well is actually getting access to those hops because, as you mm-hmm. said, they're expensive to make. There's a lot of hops in them. And yeah. if you're particularly using you know particular varieties, they can be pretty hard to get your hands yeah, on. Yeah, all the ones that the US brewers take. Yeah, they come yeah. in and steal our hops. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they took our hops. Wow. It is true, though. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I wonder at the price point that making a hazy beer in Australia with Australian hops, is it actually more expensive than making that same beer in the US with Australian hops? I, I think if you're, if you're one of the big players in the US, it's, just, it's cheaper. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I mean, like, yeah, you're, yeah. you're probably at a bigger capacity in the US. And you can contract and, out those hops. And, buy and um, excise yeah. is less. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Definitely. It's probably per litre, you, you're looking at less to, to make those beers. Is there anything that um, you're surprised didn't become a trend in the last decade finger line beers size <laughs> finger line beers yeah i i agree with that no native ingredients beers i'm surprised mm-hmm. i'm surprised yeah. they didn't become a bigger thing uh you think still they time there, right? there's yeah. still time yeah. there's still time again i think it's the same argument that it's really difficult to get the commercial quantities of those ingredients but yeah. i mean yeah i think uh at, at the um at brewcon um one of the plenary speakers gave a talk about how you really have to make a an identity of your country in a beer style as beer around the world is growing everyone is starting to form their own you know idea of what a unique beer for their country is and i really liked that because i thought what's a what's an i mean aside from the you know the sparkling ale and the bjcp guidelines what else do we have that's really an australian uh style of beer so i think um with the, the beer that's just about to be poured for us is um i really love that idea of terroir right mm. like not to put a like a wanky word on it but that idea of like what is an Australian beer and what, what do we do that you can't do elsewhere. Um, so we're just about to start drinking Wildflower Gold uh, blend number one. Ooh, number one. Yeah, we've you know it's it's the best of a decade, so we'll do some greatest hits and yeah. some you know beers that meant a bit. Uh, so this is this be what two years old? Yeah, and I think what what Topher did with the harvesting of the native. Like wild cultures off native plants, three, so it's three years old. Sorry, three years old. Yeah. Um, harvesting uh, yeast cultures off uh, native plants. I think that's a really good way of like you can't make this beer elsewhere. Absolutely, but is the, I don't know. Do, do you think that has a unique enough flavour in comparison to the wild beers made elsewhere? Um, as, as opposed yeah. to you know something very obvious like a like a finger lime mm-hmm. <laughs> or yeah, lemon myrtle. But I think or, yeah. yeah, like you know this being blend number one as well. It's sort of like a start of an evolution that's become i think yeah it's become a house it's character, become a right? lot more yeah. developed now not just even the house character but his ethos around new south wales stuff and like the know, waratah, you know, day, waratah stuff. day and these types of things and um you know with uh fingers crossed the continued rise of like ryefield hops hopefully yeah. i can get through this hectic season at the moment yeah. and um yeah um gladfield uh gladfield what's it the malts voyager voyager, voyager. Gl- gladfield yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah okay gladfield yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Voyager malts and yeah, like because uh, Waratah Day was I went this year, well last year. Um, fuck, I'm going to keep doing that, aren't I? Uh, <laughs> and it was it was super interesting. It was really cool. It was a a bunch of chats, pretty much about that, about you know um, making something hyper local, uh, and then also doing it in a way that allows f- for you know um, in a sustainable way. Sust- yeah, sustainable yeah. way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know about the whole native ingredients thing because it's a it's a hard sell for the regular drinker. It's like you go, you, I mean, especially wildflower, you make a sour and then you make a sour with native ingredients. It's like it's two things to ask of the regular drinker. Mm. So I, I see this not so much as a drinking consumer trend, but as a producer trend of people trying to go more down this route. Yeah, I think, and I think people will keep trying it. Um, I'm not sure if it'll be successful because I don't know, like I've, I've had, People try native ingredient beers and they go, "Oh, that's a bit weird," and that's the that's the big reaction rather than, "Oh, that's nice." You see, if you think about it, like from a, like a culinary uh, culinary world, is like the Australian restaurant scene had some 
people that really drove and educated mm-hmm. as far as using native foods. And I think that's what the brewing world needs right now. Yeah, and I don't like Nomad's done a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we're, if we're talking about the decade in review, probably one of my favorite beers of the decade was the Mountain Goat, uh, Gypsy and the Goat, the black pepperberry IPA. Um, yeah. And I, I think there's some really cool flavors to be played with there, but it's, it's how do you do it? And um, how do you do it that you, is it something you want to do selling at volume? Is it something you want to do um, smaller, you know, more like wildflower size or, or what's the, because it's going to be hard doing that at volume consistently. Yeah. But I, I, I do hope that that becomes more of a trend because I, I, I've enjoyed a lot of beers with those ingredients. I think lemon myrtle plays really well into certain beers. Um, pepperberry, as I said, like there's a lot of finger limes, obviously. <laughs> um, there's a lot of different 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 flavors you can play with and I, I hope I hope you know we see a bit more of that um, it could be something that goes really well with yeah with the kettle sours like we're already playing around with kettle sours with lots of different fruits mm-hmm. um, uh, so maybe that's a cool space to play and maybe a, a gosa or something a bit more savory who knows yeah yeah, yeah. for sure uh, one thing I wanted to mention that I've really enjoyed seeing over the past decade is uh, being the hipster that we now are in the inner west is uh, the sustainability stuff that's been going on yep. with breweries. Yeah. I think especially as breweries are starting to grow in size or you know continue to grow in size, uh, the fact that people are really starting to think about the impact they're having. And, uh, you know, there are certainly breweries that have for a long time run on solar power and things, uh, but seeing more and more breweries do it, seeing a lot of ingenuity in terms of packaging in recycled materials. Yeah, uh, yeah that like kind of stuff. one drop and that type of stuff. Exactly, yeah. like one drop yeah. and, uh, the, you know, Grifter coming out with the... The biopacks, yep, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you're going to see a lot more breweries mm-hmm. take them up. They're, they've been... The biopacks been de- developing that for a while and they've they've sent us a batch, like a whole bunch of samples and we've been giving them feedback as it's gone along and their product has improved like yeah. tenfold in the last year. So I think you'll see a lot more breweries starting to bring out. But Grifter did a did a great job as spearheading the implementation of that. Mm. Um, yeah, more sustainable stuff. I think some people are doing it a bit quietly. I think as it becomes more of a groundswell, you get to see more people do that. Um, yeah, things like you know carbon offsetting, um, solar panels. Yeah, yeah, the stuff that Capital were doing. Cap- Capital did it. Yeah, that, that was really cool. They're, they're the first that comes to mind. Um, yeah. When we toured the the new Bright facility, the the big one. They had a bunch of cool things there that I've completely forgotten, but I remember being like, wow, that's really uh, ingenious. Yeah, so I think, um, yeah, lowering your your importing miles by where you're sourcing things from, like we are talking about yeah. Voyager and stuff like that as well, uh, Ryefield. Yeah, I think there's a lot, and I think it is very exciting. It's, um, I think that's something we'll, we'll see mm-hmm. grow and grow. And as breweries get a little bit bigger, they can start to make decisions that are... Might be a little bit more expensive, but might be better, better for the bigger picture. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas when you're young and you're starting, you just got to get the cheapest thing you can, yeah. right? So, absolutely. I think it's very important. And yeah, yeah, I think sometimes breweries need to do a better job of educating people on what they do in that space. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, one of the obvious trends of the last decade was the big buyouts of the last few years. But I don't think that really would have been possible had beer not gotten so big. It's kind of a chicken and the egg thing, though. Like, yeah. did buying beers help it get big, or did it get what beers breweries bought because it got big? Well, it's sort of been over the last decade. We've yeah. seen we've seen beer consumption as a whole decline, mm. um, and it's still declining. But the craft segment, it, the whole segment, so including big boys crafts, faux craft, or major craft, yeah, whatever you'd like to all call of it, it, yeah, yeah, is growing still. So it, it's a segment of the market that's growing while consumption's declining. Uh, and I think that's been, you know, that's been the big driver behind the buyouts is the big boys, their bread and butters being um, threatened. Uh, and so they see a rising um, uh, segment. Let's get into that. I think yeah, that's, instead that's of been... like, you know, instead of trying to beat the um, the craft brewers at their game, just buy them out. Join them. Yeah. Because it's probably easier rather than trying to create your own craft brand yeah and and a bunch of them uh you know some some of the the brands that got bought out i don't think were um have, have ended up that well like you don't really see little creatures around that much anymore um and i you know i don't know uh and that, that was what that was kind of the first big one wasn't it of the of this sort of generation but a few like i think feral's still kicking goals mountain goat's still kicking goals 
you know, mm. I think it's a bit early to say for um, Bolter, Green Beacon uh, and the like, but... Yeah. I mean, Four Pines as well, that's four pints, pretty much everywhere yeah. in Sydney yeah, nowadays, any yeah, pub you walk yeah. into. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think, yeah, out of the out of those breweries that were kind of leading the way in the start of the decade, only really Stone and Wood are left in terms of being independent. Um, yeah, we, I don't think we can discount the efforts that Mountain Goat and Feral and Four Pines did to make this industry so big. And I think the reason why they got bought out is because of of what they did for the industry. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, yeah, I think beer getting big and the subsequent buyouts is the big trend for me for the decade. Yeah. Um, we could talk about the rising inner west because that's really the only, only the last couple of years. That's really only the last decade well, yeah, probably, that it's been. Yeah. Um, really well, think- when Young Henry's was... Uh, seven years seven ago? Seven years, yeah. 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 Um, and that kicked off a massive boom. I think if you want to talk about like craft becoming more mainstream, just go to a brewery in the US on a Saturday. Like, yeah, it's yeah, and wait in line to get in. Yeah, wait in line to get in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a very good point, actually, because I remember like even a couple of years ago, it was so easy to go to any brewery in in the inner west and get in and just have a few beers. But now, even on like a scorching hot day on a brewery that is boiling inside, you'll need to queue up to get in. I think the interesting thing is the people who are going to those breweries on Saturdays they wouldn't call themselves craft beer drinkers. Oh yeah, like, for sure. So no, they're just beer still, drinkers. Like, yeah. Well, sometimes not even beer drinkers. Not, yeah, that's very like, true, actually. Yeah, but they're just it's uh, so it's, I think it's a place to go. Every week you're seeing new people get introduced to new beers and people finding a beer that they really enjoy that they've never heard of before. Yeah. And so I think that growth is doesn't seem like it's slowing down anytime soon. Mm. Um, and I think you know like. People opening up multiple venues is going to be more of a thing. Yep. Um, you know, sources opening up a brew, uh, brew pub in Cairns. Yeah, Stomping Ground. Stomping Ground. Yep. Multiple locations. I think we'll um, start to see that in Sydney a little bit more yeah, as well. Yeah, Mountain Goats opening up in Sydney. Um, Gage, Gage Roads, Roads is opening up in Atomic, Sydney. Atomic, yeah. Um, so you'll see that yeah. happening a bit more. People, you know, breweries from out of state trying to have presences here. I would not be surprised if Garage Project opened up a venue in Australia sometime oh, yes, this please. year. Yeah, <laughs> I would not be surprised at all. Yeah, um, I mean, and uh, we didn't touch on it in the year in review segment, but like that's pretty much what Brewdog's tried to do, right? Yeah. So yeah. far, it doesn't seem to have gone too well. Either. Yeah. I mean, look, it's early days. Um, there's there's a lot of negative press in terms of the beer media of the whole opening in the first place. So. Uh, and and it seems to be a, a bit of a soft open. A, yeah, a bit of a when, when yeah, Bruce exactly. gets on a bit of a. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't really get the whole vendetta against them. Um, but the, the, it's also like they haven't really I think advertised it a lot. So I think it's a bit of a soft open at the moment. I think a lot of that vendetta was because of the funding that they got from the from the Queensland government. Yeah, um, put a lot of other local breweries. A bit out of out of noses out of joint over that. Mm. Yeah, but I think the the Queensland government has been. Uh, pretty good at fu- at uh, offering funds to like, well on more, the more so on than... the backspin from the backlash of that they launched that um, I don't know what it was called the research into yeah. to the brewing scene and they're now launching like a false lab for the for Queensland breweries and there's some other pretty cool stuff which has come off the backlash of them yeah. funding Brewdog so it should be an interesting space to see what happens. Is there anything else big we're missing? I'm, I'm, I'm... There's probably something obvious that we're just completely missing. Yeah, I mean, I guess we, we we could talk we talk we could talk a bit about sort of how venues in Sydney it's a bit more Sydney specific uh, and it's a bit less beery. But yeah, I think I, I've noticed that it, the the on premise venues. So we've been talking about how well breweries have been operating with their um, their venues, but I think uh, you've, there's, there's been a definite decline in the the on premise venues. Yeah, I, I'm not there's really been some, sure. I'm not really sure I'm going to call it a decline, but. Definitely like a stunting of growth yeah, yeah, because of the lockout laws. I think I think it's a few things. The lockout laws definitely yeah, the, the lockout laws are the, are the big the big killer. Um but I think I think it's a, a whole bunch of things as well. Just like um I think part of it's just like in a weird way because the breweries are doing so well that if you're an interesting venue in this in Sydney, you want to have something else as your niche because that's kind of been locked up by the breweries, yeah. right? Yeah, so I think you might be um, moving more towards food or cocktails or something else is your point yeah. of difference. What we're not seeing is what we see a lot in other states is where just good beer 
being in any every venue, mm. which I think Sydney's a bit slow, like cocktail bars having a just a, a yeah. decent beer list and, yeah. and stuff like that. It seems to be unless there's that one person in a in a venue that the really cares. gives a shit about it, then you don't really see that see as it. much. Yeah. Um, I think another thing that I've uh, I've noticed is at the start of the decade, if you wanted, I mean, and this sort of plays into that rise of the inner west and and other sort of local breweries. Um, but I remember, you know, the start of the decade, we were working together, Liam, at a at a um, craft beer bar, and most of our beers that were really exciting that we had were imports. Yeah. Whereas these days, you know, it's still the case. Like, there's still some really fun imports, but I think that's much less of the the interesting part of the the market. Yeah, and I think that's because there's, of there's more the growth of the industry yeah. of the local industry because yeah. there, there is more good beers around. Yeah, you don't have to look as far afield yeah. to get mm-hmm. interesting beers these days. Um, man, I was just thinking about like at that same point in time when Yuli's restaurant in Surrey Hills had a New South Wales only beer list, yeah, it was... and there was what like ten beers on it. Imagine what they what options they have now. <laughs> yeah, like, I know. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do we think there's a bubble about to burst, or do we think no. it's a it's it's healthy growth? No, I don't think we? so. Yeah. I mean, being on the Colfax and seeing all those people coming and having their first yeah. good beer yeah. on a daily basis, I st- still think there's mm-hmm. yeah. room to grow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, you only need to look at the inner west. You only need to look at Gabs. You know, there's queues everywhere. Um, it It's still it's still huge. There's still lots of untapped there's potential. Still, there's yeah. still a lot of interest yep. um, around. So, yeah, I think it'll keep going for a while. I don't think there is a bubble. I think it'll just keep growing. Yeah, it's, well, it's the, been a steady growth over the yeah. last ten years. It hasn't been. It mm. didn't explode in you know in 2010. It exploded throughout the whole decade. Yeah, it sort of goes back to what I was saying yeah. at the start of the episode, where I feel like this last year has been a, a normalization. Yep. Yeah. Like yeah. And I think we'll get we'll have more of those years where, and I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is one of those years again. Mm. Um, I don't know if we're going to have those insane growth years anymore that we we used to have. But that's I think fine. That, like yeah, like. New things can only come out every now and again, right? Like, it's going to... Yeah. I think you're right. It's going to be more like peaks and troughs mm-hmm. as far as, like, the craze of the industry and stuff like that as well. Um, should we take a break? Yeah, take yeah. a break. And, and then come back to yeah, some, some non-beer yeah, wrap-up stuff. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Sessionable. Okay, we're back. Um, oh, should we talk a bit about what we're planning for Sessionable and then go into... Yeah, sure. Yeah. So... I think the big, the first big announcement is, unfortunately, our newest member, MC, is also going to be the first member to leave the show. He's <laughs> <laughs> well, um, not leaving well, the show. Like, no, know, we've yeah. just got oh, a Melbourne a, correspondent yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. On a permanent <laughs> basis. Yeah. So you're moving down to Melbourne, MC? I am. I'm moving down as in uh, several days' time. Yep. The house is not packed yet. Uh, but I have right, just yeah. unloaded a bunch of beers to you guys. So yeah, that's step one in the process. Appreciate it. Thanks. <laughs> Um, and then I think the, 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 the second news is that this um, episode that you're currently listening to is our season one finale. It's been a long season. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, it's, 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 we, we do seasons and decades. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but um, yeah, so we, uh, you, you've noticed that we haven't really been that regular recently and we did, for various reasons. And we've, we've been talking about it and we, we definitely want to keep doing the show. Um, and to kind of keep to a somewhat regular schedule, we're going to split the show up into seasons rather than do it continuously. So what we'll do is we'll bank up a few episodes and then we'll release it every couple of weeks when it starts so that you guys get a regular service Then we'll take a break and then we'll do it again for the next batch. So what we'll do for season 2020 is, or whatever we're going to call it, season two, is we'll just do uh, we'll do a batch of ten episodes, and hopefully we can start releasing those around March. And from then on, from the first episode, you'll get a new episode every couple of weeks. Should we should we name the seasons after the BJCP styles? So the season one was one A American Light Lager. <laughs> oh, we're gonna and this one's one B American, Light Lager, American, American Lager. Lager. I'm not drinking entire... Light Lagers for the whole season, dude. Yeah. <laughs> we, we will definitely bring yeah. back Star uh, Roulette. Star back. Roulette. That, that's coming back. We got an- another idea for a semi-regular um, episode format. Uh, format as well that uh, I'm pretty excited about because yeah. it's my idea. Um, we'll try and have plenty of uh, the great interviews that we yep, love sure. doing, and um, and yeah, some more of. Uh, 
uh, the episodes of just us talking about beer. Yeah. So um, and talking about stuff that's not beer, like um, we're about to do. Yeah. So yeah, how about we do some non beer yeah, recommendations? Non beer highlights from <laughs> from the year last year. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'm happy to to kick things Pull off. off, man. Yeah, um, we'll just so, go around. Yeah. Uh, we'll just keep going around. Yeah. Keep going around. Yeah. Um, I think the the for me like I watched a watched a lot of TV. Um, as I as I always do, to be honest, uh, I think the best TV show I watched this year, hands down, was Watchmen. I th- I just thought that was absolutely fantastic, really, really well made. Um, I just finished watching that this yeah, week. And I still need to watch that. Thoroughly enjoy yeah, it. Yeah. Thoroughly recommend it. It's uh, showing a uh, Damon Lindelof who did Lost and The Leftovers, so it's very you know puzzle boxy and intricate and lots of hidden details and complex storylines that that were, that are woven through. Um, it's set. Uh, it's not an adaptation of the graphic novel. It's a sequel um, set in current day, as if the graphic novel happened in the eighties, um, and it sort of deals with the fallout of that. Uh, and it's it's yeah, it's really it's just really really well done. Uh, Anyone else on any TV shows? Yeah, any other TV shows? Um, there was the Mandalorian as well. Really enjoyed that. Um, the Witcher on Netflix. I really enjoyed yeah. that. Yeah, that was okay. It was it didn't blow me away, but it was as a fan of the game series, I I enjoyed it. I reckon it could set up for a good. I think it's a good. It's like a prologue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was. It was good. Like kind of. I I didn't expect it to be so episodic in terms of like the the narrative. Hmm. I thought it was going to be a big overarching story, and it was kind of. But it was more of a monster of the week kind of thing. Um, yeah, that was alright. I, I heard a very good complaint about The Witcher that it was just Geralt doing side quests all season. <laughs> yeah, it pretty much was. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, like, Wait, that's a he complaint? skipped the main quest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, MC, you had a good one off, off mic. Oh, I did, yeah, yeah. Chernobyl. Yeah. Chernobyl, that was a good show. Uh, I'm a big fiend for documentaries and I loved the fact that it was a dramatised documentary. Yeah. I think I didn't hear anyone not talk about it for mm. the month that Everyone was watching it. That was hectic. Oh, speaking yeah. of which, um, no, there was a good TV show that I watched this year. It was called Unbelievable on Netflix, which is about um, the serial rapist oh, in yeah, I've heard about the that. US. It's really good. Yeah. Really um, good dramatization of a true crime story. Um, speaking of documentaries, I think one of the, my highlights for this year was the Firefest movie. Oh, that was so good. <sighs> so good. good. Such a train wreck. I love it. Because there was like two of them that came out around the same time, right? Was there another one? Yeah, I think one was on like HBO or AOL. Was a, in, the, in the US, there was two right. that came out around the same time. I, I think the, the one that was on Netflix one. was, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. Oh, what a movie. What a story. I think, I think, everyone's, I think everyone's just so fascinated about it because it was, it was like a disaster happening to like to spoiled rich people. Rich people. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was so, so good. For great viewing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's only like maybe three people you actually felt sorry for in that yeah. whole thing. Yeah. Mm. Um, another great doco. It's a series on um, Disney Plus, the Imagineering story, which is all about the like behind the scenes of Disneyland and like from the history and building it and oh, developing rides and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Does it go any hectic, uh, sketchy stuff with Walt Disney? No, no, no it's it on Disney Plus. Disney. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's not. Yeah, it doesn't go in. And there's a few weird, like uh, some bits where it probably, uh, you know, washes over some, you know, questionable stuff that whitewashing, you might say. Oh, uh, not not necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of like the the union bashing that Disney used to do is sort of like yeah, I'm not up portrayed in a different yeah. way. Yeah, oh, um, yeah. but yeah. Uh, but but uh, but if you if you just want to see how rides are made, like yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Any other movies that people enjoy this year? I really don't go to the movies yeah. that often. I thought look, I liked Avengers Endgame. Yeah, it was good. Um, yeah. uh, Rise of Skywalker probably less so. I still haven't seen it. I'm still processing Rise um, of Skywalker. I probably need to watch it again. I didn't yeah. hate it, but I don't know um, what I think about it yet. Yeah, I think one of my favorites of the year was Midsummer, mm-hmm. which was an amazing, cr- just crazy horror movie. Set in the set in Scandinavia during the Midsummer Festival. Oh, cool! Where it's like day not daytime the whole the whole time. Mm. Yeah, it's fucking great. Actually, I, I just watched Jojo Rabbit the other day. Oh yeah, yeah, good, really good, really yeah. liked it. Yeah, it was very good. Um, mine is, I think mine is barely barely 2019, but I quite liked the Peter Jackson uh, "They Shall Not Grow Old." 
the, oh, the film. Oh, that was amazing. Yeah, the yeah. film made entirely yeah. of, uh, um, what's the word? Colorized. Colorized, yeah. yeah footage from Netflix now, right? I think. Is it? Yeah. It I, was, I, so. I watched it on one of the streaming yeah. services, yeah. I didn't realise what it was. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so he they developed this brand new technology of like, like retouching up yeah, and colorizing, and colorizing. All, all these old um, old videos of archival footage and yeah, I think it was done with the the what's the War Museum in in London? Um, Is that the Imperial War Museum? Imperial War Museum, mm-hmm. yeah, because it was all their archive footage. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was amazing. <clears throat> hmm. I think another one. I get again like barely. 2019, I think it came out last at the end of last year, or the end of 2018, was um, Free Solo, which was um, a climbing movie about Alex Honnold free yep. climbing Al Capitan. It's fucking sick. That's on Disney Plus. If anyone wants, is it? Is it? Yeah, yeah okay. go watch it because it's a Nat Geo film. Which yeah, is mm. Disney. yeah. I haven't seen it, but I know a lot of friends of mine who are big into rock climbing and stuff like that really, yeah, really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's a sick movie. It's um, it's not just about climbing. It's about like his life and how how like his friends think about you know the risks taking and mm. that kind of thing so yeah it's very accessible but also like as a climber it's just fucking insane the achievement that it was you guys playing good video games Pokemon, um, the new Pokemon game. New Pokemon. Pokemon's pretty good. Yeah. Jedi Fallen Order. I enjoyed that. I haven't played that. That was yeah. really good. Yeah, is that good? Yeah. 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 I mean, really I love the new Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, uh, was, yeah, really that cool. was really good. Yeah. yeah, very good. I think they went through a dip there, Assassin's Creed, and came back with these ones. The Egypt one, and now yeah. the uh, Ro- Roman the, Greek. Yeah, Greek. Yeah, love yeah. it. The Greek one. Yeah, yeah. That was really cool. I really enjoyed that as um, well. Um, Untitled Goose Game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. That's probably my game of the year. Yeah. Yeah. That was sick. Is it that good? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. Good. It's, yeah. it's pretty short, but it's yeah, very, it? very satisfying. Mm-hmm. You just get to be a jerk. Yeah, you just, you just, a, just a dickhead goose yeah. walking around messing people up. Um, yeah, it's pretty short. It's like a stealth puzzle game sort of mm-hmm. thing. Um, I've been playing a bunch of board games as well as I as I want to do. Yeah, um, I've been playing Betrayal Legacy, which is based on uh, Betrayal House on the House Hill, on the Hill yep. um, which is fantastic. What was that? What was that card game that you brought on New Year's Eve? I was going to say that. that. Was awesome. So the German name, the original name is Six Nimmt, N I M M T, which translates to Six Takes. Um, it's just a that's just an easy card game. We pulled it out at New Year's Eve and just played it for hours. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. Um, it does. It's not. It's not complicated at all. Um, but it it's a lot of fun and it, it it's a lot of people standing up and yelling at the table and yeah. It's like, yeah. It, I'd say it's a riff on the classic trick taking game. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, yeah. So there's that, and um, the other one is Marvel Champions, which is a, a cooperative card game where you all play as a Marvel superhero and try and work together to beat up a villain in the middle. Yeah, it's really I good. Bought that for my nephew for Christmas. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, if you want, I can. Uh, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that game. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, what else? Anything else of the year? Any 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 other good podcasts you listen to this year? Um, in terms of new ones, not really, no. I've just been catching up on a lot of podcasts this year, so my queue's getting smaller and smaller, thank God. Um, but I haven't really signed up to anything mm. new. Yeah, that's that's my problem. I've just got too yeah. many podcasts. Um, Does it count if I discovered it this year? Yeah, sure. Well, yeah. then, in that case, uh, I've really been enjoying My Favourite Murder. Mm. You guys have heard of that? Yeah, I have. One, one of yeah. the classic, yeah. Um, I feel like I'm late to the yeah. game. I also just started listening to my dad wrote a porno That's two weeks ago, so I'm pretty slow when it comes yeah, to podcasts. Yeah, I, I haven't listened to that at all. It's very funny. Yeah. Someone was saying that they're going to go that, yeah. say that live. Yeah, I saw, I saw them live yeah. But they're last coming year. out like, very here. soon? Yes, yeah. yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah. I saw them at the Opera House like two yeah. years ago. Um, very funny. I've been listening to a lot of uh, Drinks Adventures with James. Yeah, that's been really good. That's been really, been really good. Yeah, that's been really good the last couple of seasons. Yeah. Producing a very smick podcast. Yeah, he did Netflix style this season, so they all came out on the same day. Mm. So, yeah, I, I, it does make I my feed I, look insane. I'm like, yeah. oof. <laughs> I think I, I was just walking around, and that came on, and the whole season just played, and I'm like, oh, that's that's the whole season. Now I've got <laughs> no drinks adventures to listen to. Mm. But yeah, they're all good this this season, and last season was very quality as well. Mm. So, yeah, get onto that if you don't already listen to it. Yeah, on the topic of. Uh, Journalism, I suppose. Uh, I feel, feel like I should say something about Crafty. One of the things that I really liked was the advent calendar that was done yeah, at the end of the month. Yeah, that was cool. I liked that. That was good fun. One of my favourite articles of the year was the uh, rocker skater brewer that Mick wrote about um, 
uh, Rich from Young Henry's and no Oscar from Young Henry's yeah. and Glenn from Grifter. Yeah. And I really, I, I, I mean, that's how I got into beer journalism. I love to know the stories of people that are in the industry, and I thought that Advent Calendar was really, really good, especially for people that you know maybe aren't as into it as we are to to know mm. that there's a face behind a brand and what they're yeah, like. Yeah. And I thought that really was really good, well done. Uh, mix of people as well. I really yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good fun. There's some good articles I read. Now it was yeah. Hmm. Shall we um, wrap it up? Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I think that yeah, that, we've lost our podcasting stamina. I know. Of course. No. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, it's been a long. Day. It's been it's a long holiday. Heat. Season. The heat doesn't help as well. It's yeah. Just a, yeah, it's been it's a long, long holiday day. season. We've been we've been kind of going out. Yeah, yeah drinking a lot. A big night last night. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, and we'll see you next season. Thanks for bearing hopefully with us. Hopefully, we will last see you very sporadic year. And hopefully, yeah. we get things a bit more um, uh, a bit more under control. Um, yeah, we asked Brad to send over some highlights and recommendations, but... He didn't get back to us? No, he didn't get back to us. No, we didn't yeah. have a dad recommendation for the, yeah. for the episode? I think, I think my highlight recommendation of the decade was the underpants. Brad's underpants yeah. recommendation? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The travel card one he did was pretty travel good as well. Good. Yeah. yeah. Did he do like the fi- the finance or was that the... The finance application, or was that a lost episode? I think that might have been a lost episode, but yeah. that was fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Happy New Year. We'll uh, catch you in a couple of months. All right. Yep. See you soon. See you soon.